Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ah, uh, yes. Welcome to the We Got the Chocolates podcast. It's the sports podcast for the non-professionals. If you tried really hard to be good at sport, but never quite nailed it, you're in good company. Check out these less than marvellous bits coming up. Yeah, yeah, I took 80 wickets um, and scored over 500 runs. Yeah, average about over 20. Okay. Yeah, so don't sound so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> are we PG rated here or how's this work? No, 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 no. No, free for all. <laughs> I'm a good reason. <laughs> I'm not sure what your parameters are. <laughs> and now over to Lee, Sam and Mitch with the marvellous We Got The Chocolates podcast. All right. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to another episode of the We Got The Chocolates podcast. I'm Lee. I'm Sam. I'm Mitch. And this is episode 61. And it is an exciting episode because we have an interview today. How are you, boys? Very good. It is very exciting, and uh, Mitch is looking very up and about over there. I'm not sure if it's because we are talking to a, a cricket legend, maybe an idol of his, or if it's the uh, Alchemy Cordials Australia beverage that he's got sitting in front of him. Which one is it, Mitch? Uh, yeah, could oh, be yeah, there. yeah, probably a bit of both, I think. But yeah, the turmeric latte is going down a treat, certainly certainly helping out, I think. I'm up and about more than normal, at least. Maybe the word count will be up, and who knows? Well, we needed a turmeric latte after the 96 overs in the dirt we spent on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that was a poor day of fielding. Very unfortunate. Uh, but I'm sure this guest that we're about to uh, speak to as well, have a chat with, he also would have spent some serious days in the dirt. A cricketer that played 38 tests for Australia, took 113 scalps in that time, also played 43 ODIs or one-day internationals and five 2020 internationals when the game had just started there. Uh, in his first class career, he played a staggering 242 matches, 115 of those being for the Queensland Bulls, where he took 505 wickets. Michael Kaspervich, are you there, Michael? Hey, how are you, guys? <laughs> Very well, Good, thank you. Thanks for being with us, mate. Thanks for having a chat. Pleasure. Yeah, Casper, there are some pretty impressive numbers there in that intro. And uh, to add to that, you actually had an incredible bowling average of 11.4 in T20 internationals for Australia. Uh, was it a bit of a disappointment mm. to you that T20 cricket was only just introduced into the international environment sort of late in your career? Uh, absolutely, um, because it's the perfect, <laughs> perfect form of cricket when you're an old bloke because it's <laughs> as long as you keep your foot behind the line and don't bowl wide, there's 24 balls maximum. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's that's what worked really well. Um, yeah, no, like I was actually in England um, for the first season of T20. I was playing county cricket for Glamorgan. Uh, it was 2002. Um, it was the first season, this new sort of game. And it was it's really interesting even then. It was sort of like as much as it was sort of novel, a novelty – it's still you're talking pride and ego with the, when you got a ball in your hand and a bloke's at the bat. You, you know, it, it's competition straight away. So when that concept, I think we did it. There's first two years in the UK. Then in Australia, we took it on, and Fox Sports did it, saying it was state-based. Queensland, we played New South Wales, played all the state teams, and in that, it was still it was viewed as a novelty because there was guest players. 
think Andrew Johns played for New South yeah, Wales. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think I, I think maybe from a player's point of view, and no one really wanted to sort of get involved with it. It was almost like ah, oh, like it's a bit of hit and giggle, it's a bit of fun type thing. Um, but what was really interesting in all this, um, I think in, India even thought exactly the same thing. So all of a sudden there was the, you know, there was the, yeah, bit of the, an ICL competition, the Indian um, corruption, I mean, Indian cricket league. Um, <laughs> and, and, and there was, yeah, um, IPL was just about, it was just on the fringes of state, all that sort of stuff back then. But what was incredible was that, um, there was a T20 World Cup, so the ICC thought, right, well, let's do a World Cup. Um, this was a couple of years into it, and oh, what was classic was that um, I think Tendulkar, Ganguly, I don't know, Dravid, um, all, all the senior players, they were arrested because they thought, oh, no, it's, you know, it's a hit and giggle. There's no point going to South Africa and doing this. Yeah, right. um, MS Dhoni captained them kept them very well because they won the tournament and then all of a sudden India, the BCCI, decided because they were now the world champions at it that um, we're now interested. And <laughs> they had the and they had the IPL and started it and into one of the most um, extraordinary oh, how would you put it? Like cricket competitions or sporting competitions in the world. So out of out of out of, out of a, a zero start, they created a, a billion-dollar industry mm. of T20 cricket in that country. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They've done quite well. And have extraordinary. Yeah, mm. I just wanted to ask, like, what was that? What was the T20 game like back then? Like, have you seen it evolve quite a bit? It's obviously played very seriously now, and I guess a lot of thought goes into into it. What was it like then? Well, as I said, it was still pride, and certainly ego takes over, and when you've got a ball on. Guy trying to hit you over the fence, you don't want that happening too often. Um, so it was about it was about sort of execution even then. Um, I reckon it almost got to a stage when even playing in England um, when it first started, some of our better players at it were the most inconsistent players I played with. Right. <laughs> um, with with a ball. So there was yeah one yeah uh, Glamorgan. We actually made the finals. We were rubbish the first year in no two. But 03, we actually I turned up late from, you know, I was away with the Australian team and somewhere it turned up. And we actually made the, the final stay at Edgebaston where they, it was like, how the hell did you guys do this? <laughs> and one of the star, one of the stars of our team was um, easily the most inconsistent bowler. <laughs> and I think that's the key. It was actually that no two balls, balls are the same. You know, he was, you know, lengths were all over the shop, um, <laughs> bit of wit and, and he didn't know where they were going so you know, what chance was that batsman mm, that's my theory when I bowl as well yeah that's good is it yeah. <laughs> but did you play in that the uh the first ever international 2020 like the Australia versus New Zealand one I did um even, even didn't you have to grow even, like a moustache and crazy facial hair and like it was proper novelty wasn't it well and that's that's exactly right and, and it was viewed as that because it was retro um we wore the same shirts from the 80s, I think, so the Kiwis. But the Kiwis, as they tend to do, they, they did it ex- especially well. Yeah. Because um, they they were doing the facial hair. I was the only bloke in the Australian team, mainly because possibly I couldn't give a shit, um, was, you know, grew some facial hair and, and did all that. And even I think I wore a headband even. Um, <laughs> um, just, just trying to sort of muck around with it. But the rest of the boys were all looking too pretty, the Australian boys. Anyway, the, the Kiwis... 
they had, um, I think Hamish Marshall, really tight knit curly hair. He ended up, I think he went to a hairdresser uh, to the point where they turned into an afro, a big blonde afro. Um, there were handlebar moustaches. There was all sorts of things going on in a, in the retro style for the Kiwis. But um, oh, I'm surprised you didn't do your, your homework a little bit tighter there and the fact that I was actually I think I was man of the match yeah and but, um, you were, yeah, I didn't want to uh, I, I did do my oh, homework right. a bit tighter I didn't want to <laughs> launch straight into it but you're exactly oh, right okay. we've got the, the photo evidence of you here with the uh, with the facial hair and the white headband and first ever bowler to take two wickets from his first two balls in 2020 internationals as well I, I yeah I actually had the the best Australian bowling figures my figures for there were four for, I think, for four for know, 20 odd, 26 or something. Um, that, that stood for a long time as the, uh, the, the best bowling by an Australian in 2020 cricket. So I, I remember um, Robert Craddock, Crash Craddock, who was the chief cricket writer for, he still is, I think, for News Limited at the time um, when it was still, and even the, the journos talked about, you know, in Australia, it was a bit of a you know, joke in Queensland, the balls playing, the Bush Rangers of Victoria. You know, T20, and um, he just asked me about. It. I said, I said, you know, I, I said I'm going to be. I said I'm, I'm the specialist. I'm the T20 specialist here, Crash. <laughs> trying to trying to rebrand myself, if you like, instead of saying bang, because it's this game is really simple. It's about execution, meaning you know, executing a Yorker or a wide Yorker, or it's really. And and he was laughing. He said, Ah, oh, Casper, yeah, that's funny. No, that's, uh, he came back to me a few years later and said, You were right. You actually. He said, "Yeah, you, you were actually. Your, your numbers are actually pretty good." I said, "I realise that. I'm just too old." So, uh, <laughs> so we didn't get much of a gig after that. So, yeah. I well, mean, d- despite playing a lot of cricket in Australia and England, you actually also rebranded yourself at some one stage as a bowling guru on sort of flat dust bowls in places like the subcontinent. So, I mean, surely that's not a label you want because it means you're touring the hottest, driest countries to play cricket. But you know, how did that label come about for you? I I came up with it. <laughs> and, and the Mark reason why, well, it was, and 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 I actually talk about this around how the way perception works. Um, and certainly, as a sportsman, um, we understand it probably better than most people in society. Politicians understand it pretty well because people have an opinion based upon which team you play for, um, whether you're left or right or maroon or blue. They'll love you or hate you. Um, you know, even even for you know fast bowlers, straight away it's like, oh yeah, well you know, there's lots of batsmen out there telling people, a lot of people, um, um, that you know the fast bowlers are dumb, they you know all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just <laughs> one of the things I always like to do is challenge the paradigm along the way. And I just thought what what I found was that that whole perception piece of changing the perception, if you like, when you're a cricketer um, of your customer. Yeah. Um, the customer being the selector, he's buying you, <laughs> giving a, a business context to this. Because one of the things that I saw, when I first got picked to go to um, India, 1998 with the Australian cricket team, it was easily the toughest, most challenging cricket tour anyone could ever take. So McGraw was con- <laughs> Gillespie, who else? Most bikes were conveniently injured and uh, couldn't make it. So I got a gig and I just went there. I actually did well in the, the third test. We lost the series, but we won the last test match. And 5 for 28 at Chinnaswamy Stadium in Bangalore, got the man of the match trophy. Lovely. Uh, I somehow I managed to get it home in the overhead locker. It was just extraordinary for that <laughs> in itself. 
It was that. <laughs> anyway, I one of the things I just kept thinking was that you know about perception changing, changing the view. And so when I did come home and with India and, and reverse swing and understanding a little bit more about that how it works. I remember having, once again, Robert Craddock, I'll use his name again, Crash came to me and said, Casper, why do you, you know, why do you like India so much? Because I used to talk about it and positively because when, when no one else would. And I just said to him, because I knew how the media works, I said, Crash, I'm the fashionable bowler for unfashionable tours. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so, so then all of a sudden, his copy editor didn't have to come up with a title. Yeah, he just ran with that. That's perfect. They just ran with it, and and not that you're trying to you know hoodwink anyone, but but it was just it. It was sort of seeing an opportunity and that perception of saying, well, okay, well, you know, we're on those conditions, and you sort of demonstrated it. So I was, I was. The media used to run with it. They'd say the you know Kasparovich, you know, for Pakistan or Sri Lanka or. Well, you know, for, and India, um, you know, the subcontinent specialists, they sort of tagged it. So I thought that's great. I, I don't mind that at all. It's it's fantastic yeah. because at the end of the day, I'm, you know, playing cricket for Australia and essentially living my dream. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, very smart, Jasper. You are not, oh, certainly not a dumb fast bowler. Not just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, look, it's worth, I just should point out too, I think, and representative of the fast bowlers here, I think it should for uh, all your listeners, is that fast bowlers, uh, like any minority, like all minority groups, really, we're persecuted. Because <laughs> there's, there's sort of th- only three of us in a team, generally six batsmen. Yeah, and you sort of, you're, you're left, you know, left in the corner and you don't have a voice. So I'm sort of, just trying to represent. <laughs> what about the poor old wicket keepers, Casper? There's only one of them. Well, that, well, that's right. There, that's why they're honorary fast bowlers. We actually have a, we have a, um, um, a fast bowling uh, WhatsApp, fast bowling cartel yeah. WhatsApp group, and Adam Gilchrist is actually on it. Um, <laughs> I think, and yeah, you know, I just reckon that, and there's no way there's any of those batsmen wouldn't have and have that. They're, they're not tech savvy. They're still, <laughs> they're, they're still listening to. Um, Joshua Catterson or someone else like that, you know, in the day. Like you blokes would never have to quickly Google. Go, <laughs> Google Joshua Catterson and the song Jesse and you will know exactly. That's what all our batsmen, that whole era, they'd sit there and sing that loudly. Really? Um, right. Almost hugging each other. It's sort of kind of weird, but yeah. Okay. But anyway, Matthew, just Matthew Hayden's. Anyway, I believe that. <laughs> That's a, oh, yeah. He's an American singer-songwriter. Here we go. Mm. Okay. Is he alive? Jesse. Is he still alive? Apparently, he's 57 years of age, still kicking. And yeah. he's best known for his hits, Jesse and Beautiful in My yeah. Eyes. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Well, yep. I'll try and good track, luck with that. I'll try and track those down <laughs> by the end of the episode. <laughs> Casper, I was wondering if we could rewind a little bit, mate. Obviously, we'll talk plenty about your international and first-class career, but I was wondering if you could tell us about sort of where you grew up and what what club cricket you played for. I understand you ended up debuting in first class when you were only like 17 or something ridiculous and still at high school. Wearing your school uniform. Yeah, so what what did you have to do to pull that off exactly? (laughs) Um, I suppose a promising young fast bowler coming in and... And it was, it, was, it was really weird because I, you'd, you'd sort of just, whatever team it was, you'd steam in, bowl it, swing the ball away and, and you know, just have fun um, doing it. And the best part about being a fast bowler is you can legitimately be a bully. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> so that, that was that was what was kind of neat as a as a kid. Anyway, um, so I'd actually um, made the Australian schoolboys rugby team. All right, okay. I'd heard that. So I yeah, so I um, through high school went to Brisbane State High, and then I made you know, the Queensland team, and then made the Australian uh, team as well. So we went over to New Zealand. Unsurprisingly, we lost. Came back, went um, straight into grade cricket, and I was playing. I decided to play club cricket for the University of Queensland, okay. um, which was really strange because that's at St Lucia, which is you know a whole sort of multiple suburbs away, a bit of a journey away from where I grew up in Mount Gravatt. Right. And um, the only reason why I actually played for the University of Queensland, reflecting about all that, wasn't because of the opportunity, because there was Scott Muller was uh, there before me. Um, University of Queensland generally never scored more than 200 runs in the first innings. Um, <laughs> That's a bit different were, these days, let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, <laughs> but Wade, but Wade Seckham, I don't know, Wade Seckham was um, the Queensland, current Queensland coach was actually the, he was playing for him um, and he lived in Mancravat and I knew him and you know, before and he said, oh, you got to come play here. I thought, okay, well, yep, sounds good. And the reason why I was playing there was he said, you got to play here because there's – there's no lock on the fridge and everyone helps themselves to beer. <laughs> and so that was my motivation when I'm 17 years old to the yeah. club I was going to play for. I actually had um, in my debut for University of Queensland, I played second grade at Toomble, also against Toomble, at Toomble. Yeah. And I was opening the bowling. I took the second over. First over it was bowled by John Eels. So that, that's the little rugby, I suppose, angle in all that. But what happened in... January to start, you know, through Christmas. I, um, yeah, was was selected to play for for Queensland. It was almost like it's quite. I was actually in the Australian under nineteen team. I was twelfth man. We're at North Sydney Oval playing against England, and all of a sudden, the groundsman or someone like that came around and just said, "Oh, there was a phone call for you for Michael Kasperovich." And the team managers go, "What? Okay." I said, "Okay." Well, and he said, "I, th- I think it's your father." like this and I'm thinking what the I haven't spoken to my father for like 15 years anyway I thought what the hell's going on here I answered the call and there was a journalist from Brisbane from the Korea Mail saying um, that you're going to be selected in the Queensland cricket team not Crash Craddock again was it Casper no it wasn't Crash I don't think I'm trying to think out who it was but Andrew Dawson was who it was yeah anyway um, he's not there anymore (laughs) anyway he um, but that was it I seriously just it was sort of like spun out, and the next thing, the official line came through, getting the plane, come home, and there you go. Here's a bag, and you're playing at the Gabba yeah, right. debut. And how how was yeah. it like? Did you feel a bit out of your depth at the time at only 17, or did you did you go all right now? Yeah, yeah, no. I, I got uh, first ball duck and none for <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the match. So it wasn't a Cinderella story, that first one. I remember going to training after that you know, a little bit later, and Ian Healy, he was – it was there one day. He was there and I sort of said to him, I said, oh, because he was my under-15 Brisbane South coach in the schoolboys team when he was a school teacher before he got picked and Pakistan and all that. Anyway, he was back in Brisbane. I, I just sort of – he said, oh, how good, how's this and how you going? I said, look, I don't know if I deserve this. And you got all these guys who played great cricket who have done, you know, so much more and all that. And you're sort of coming in – yeah, you're a target, obviously <laughs> – he said, don't worry about it, mate. He said, just just get out there and just give it your best, give it your best shot. And, yeah, mm. whilst, whilst it's presented. So, 
managed to do that. Um, hang around for a while, 19 seasons, and, yeah. and, and yeah. I suppose that's where it started. I was going to say, you played another 114 games after that, so I must have thought you were all right. We managed to get some, yeah, some things right. So, uh, <laughs> no, I think, I think even that from, you know, from, from 17 was, yeah, it was, it's obviously challenging, but it's kind of, when you think back to, to when you were playing, there was, you weren't thinking, there was no thinking, it's just you coming in just doing. And I think in, in a lot of ways, the game today, um, and well, certainly what I know when I was getting older, you do. And that's our job as professional cricketers is to find that 1%, find new ways to do it, get better. But when you when you picked on pure, pure just potential, just running purely off instinct, I think sometimes we've got to do that, go back to that, the players do. Because we do wrap ourselves up, or, or players do naturally wrap ourselves up in, in thinking a bit too much about it, yeah. and not relying on just on instinct. Casper, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna sort of try and get you to build, I guess, a, a little bit more. Could be an ambitious question, but for we've obviously got Haz on the podcast, who is a mm. who is a professional athlete. But then there's two of us that probably sit firmly within that bracket of uh, of being. Quite good at a few sports, but never quite good enough at, at one. And so yeah. we, we were just sort of wondering, we always like to sort of ask, I guess, was there ever like a moment, like I guess after that, probably after that debut that was a bit from the stars sort of thing, was there ever a, a moment where you sort of went, okay, I'm going to have to make a choice here or, or this is something, a sacrifice I'm going to have to make or this is how I'm actually going to be a very, very good player at this level. Do you remember anything like sort of in particular or was more just something that you acquired over time? I think you just... Go, go with what you love. And I think what it didn't matter what season it was or what sport it was, it was just giving it absolutely everything. And oh, that's all I ever did. And I think with cricket, I was always better at cricket. You know, there's plenty of bigger, faster guys for rugby and all that sort of stuff. You know, would love to have, you know, had a good hard crack at that and see how far we could have taken that. But you know, I think with, with cricket, it was, was, was different. And the fact that the opportunity came up the way it did, yeah, that, that was decision made. It wasn't, yeah. it, it wasn't actually, you didn't have to make a decision. No. I think one of the things that I have seen and try to actually tell a lot of people, and so my son, my son's 13. I, I try to just, I use the word fun. You, you got to get just fun, be, make it fun when you're playing because then you naturally do lean on instinct. And the other thing too is that um, it it actually diffuses any pressure if you're having fun. Mm. Just, just it just automatically does if you're having fun with blokes out there, and you, it just all of a sudden it just it just happens. I reckon that's the key, and one of the things I've sort of seen with a lot of junior sport now, certainly there's been a lot of guys coming through, and always has been, of people who are you know, good at multiple sports. Because if you're good at one sport, you know, high chances are you're going to be good at multiple sports. And I don't, I think that's the, that's the biggest issue is that over the last few years, I'm talking 10 plus, people actually in a position where they have to make a choice. Previously, everyone was just, you just play cricket in summer and footy in winter and, and there was so many talented blokes to be doing both, yeah. but you not have to make a choice. There wasn't a point where there was junior scouts or programs or academies you know, really thrusting, a, you know, it's a real binary choice of, you know, you know you're either, you know, you're going to play cricket or here's the opportunity. And when they thrust money opportunity the story and managers and all the rest of it around it i think that's um, i don't know i reckon that's probably 
stopped us seeing some 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 of the better players coming through. The element, the reason why I'm saying that like that is I reckon Victoria suffers the most from that. What did I hear once that um, in Victoria, out of the I think it's something like almost 700 AFL players, so in all the teams right through, all on contract, the average wage of an AFL player for all the teams, so the you know, is I think it's about almost it was about three fifty three sixty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That's there's seven hundred oh. players, right? Yeah, that's not right. that's not the quaffle or the, no. the waffle or all the other ones out there. <laughs> um, you know the, the sub district ones, the, the district stuff. This is just AFL. Yeah. So yeah. if you are a young guy coming through, and we've seen that in cricket, a few of them um, coming through, that if you're a player and you're Good player, and you're obviously you know the middle of the road type thing. You need out of seven hundred. If you're a star, there's some real good future for you. Whereas in cricket, what have we got, Sam? How many first class players, or how many would it be 120 yeah. guys, maybe yeah, about now, maybe. Yeah. I think just right now. So I don't reckon the average of 120, um, mind you, it's weighted heavily at the top end. Yeah, it's it's well there, there you go. There's 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 a choice right there. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and what you were really good at, I'm sure you're happy with your decision to stick with cricket because you were a very good fast bowler and had a lot of fun doing it. But probably one thing you didn't excel at in the cricket game was was batting. We weren't known for your batting prowess anyway. Uh, but I'm told by a former teammate of yours that you might have had a trademark shot known as the grandstand flick that you could probably <laughs> tell us about. Well, I think the word got around in grade cricket, especially just don't get on Casper's pads. <laughs> so, yeah, because um, yeah, for a start, you didn't need to. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but I think that, um, oh, look, what, what isn't known is I actually won the, uh, um, what is it? Um, it was playing for Gamorgan in 2002. Right. I actually won the Weatherall All Rounder of the Year award. Wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. I took eighty wickets um, and scored over five hundred runs. Yeah, average about over twenty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So don't sound so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> what did Mark War? Mark War once said to me. He said, "He said, Casper, you know, he said you're good for twenty. <laughs> that type thing. You know, like if." And so it was almost that was it. That it's sort of my average. I think my first class average is seventeen. So it's it's hardly you know, McGrath status. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Love, so, love he didn't speak too highly of you when I spoke to him about his bat, your batting, but he <laughs> he did say you were good to watch. He said a lot of your shots, the ball probably didn't go where you were aiming it to go, but you often got the result for it. So that was that well, was the main thing. So that's the best part about, it, I suppose, um, when you're unconventional in the way you bat. Is there's never there's that. There's never fielders um, <laughs> in those positions. Fields. So, you know, for the cover drive, it goes over backward point. <laughs> you know, as, as, a, as a prime example, you know, there's never a fielder back there. So I'm glad I provided a bit of humour for them, but at the same time, I had to save the fucking game when they... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No worries, love it. Yeah. 
Oh, I've been on the receiving end of so many of those sprays from our fast bowlers as well. Yeah, yeah. Ever try to do your job? Good. Um, I just wanted to ask how you went, like coming back to to club cricket with the bat, because I look at like even Nathan Lyon, who bats number eleven in the Australian team. I feel like he would surely be scoring a lot of runs in grade cricket. Like, did you did you ever come back and hit hundreds of runs? Yeah. Did you ever have to play as like a batter? You know, when fast bowlers are injured now, like, would you be one of those ones that would hold your own in a first grade team, or are you going to threes to play as a batter? Oh, yeah, no. Well, this is where it, um, I think there was Jeff Foley, who's captain in the time, you know, he took the mickey with it, really, uh, <laughs> because you, you'd come back, and the only time I batted like three or four was on a wet wicket. <laughs> <laughs> And go, oh, there's your opportunity. And even then, you still manage to, to get through and, and do all right, but then just slide back down. That's why you're going to Glamorgan. Well, yeah. well that's, that's right. There was no one stopping me there. <laughs> um, and I think that was it. Just, like, you know, life is about opportunity. And I think that was it. Um, it was almost, uh, you know, foals actually <laughs> like to, to think that, uh, and it was the joke that, you know, Casper, you know, you come back, you know, bat low. As frustrating as that was, <laughs> is that just you know whatever, mate. You know, like, <laughs> there's, there's no no point giving the space. He did actually admit to me, Jeff Foley, um, that he he reckons he woke up in the middle of the night once and like a nightmare, a dream type nightmare thing around that that he that he yeah he felt you know responsible. <laughs> the fact, he didn't actually uh, provide the opportunity for me to to further my batting. So he, <laughs> oh, did, he did admit that once, yeah. Okay, there That's you outstanding. Go. Well, Casper, look, one question on your batting that I was just interested more, not to hear you tell the story because I'm sure you've had to tell it so many times, but I was just interested, how many times <laughs> if you had to make an estimation do you think you've been asked just by random passers-by uh, whether you were really out in that 2005 Ashes test at Edgbaston that uh, England obviously went on to win by two runs? Mm, there's been um, oh look at numbers it's, it's waned a bit lately <laughs> um, but I think early on a lot and it's quite interesting how people would ask about it like almost like to see if I was all right with it and talking about it and I was always you know sweet because you know we just tried our best and it wasn't good enough and these are circumstances and that's what it was so I actually had a, an Indian bloke oh, I was in India and he came to me and said, uh, he said, look, Casper, he said, oh, Casper, you know, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving Test Cricket. Jeez. Well, and I said, oh, I said, um, he said, you single-handedly saved Test Cricket. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, if you and Brett Lee had have scored those runs, then Australia would have been 2 up in the series, would have gone on one of the series. No one's interested in Test Cricket, but because it was such a great series, you know, he kept it alive and... Test cricket would have been dead otherwise, but you have saved Test cricket. Jeez. And I had to point out to this guy, I said, look, thank you very much, mate, <laughs> but um, I had to point out that um, that my single hand was actually off the bat at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I've, I've, I've tried to do is when you're sort of speaking and asked about it in a sporty sense, is come up with a, a quick sporty about it. And the way I frame it is that it was actually, it was actually the first test series that calendar year that they were testing out the DRS and Ricky at the start I remember him sort of saying no no and Michael Vaughan no no look we'll just gentlemen's agreement well we don't need DRS or we won't do it okay so whilst it's whilst it wasn't used it, it if it was used it whilst it would have been the right result 
because from Harmison, that short ball, and felt like it was just, it felt like sort of a lengthy ball, but it just rose. That's why I suppose instinct, hands went up like that. And not rather than just ducking it and seeing it, just instinct there. But anyway, so whilst it would have been the right result, because Hotspot would have picked up the moral right hand was off the bat at the time, just flicked it. And Law 34.1 MCC Laws of Cricket <laughs> says that, you know, it's about, yeah, it's not out. So also would have been the right result, not out. It could have been quite embarrassing for me, I reckon. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. And the reason, be- the reason being that I reckon Hotspot might have even picked up a bit of wet spot of shit dripping down my leg. <laughs> so, <laughs> I felt like you had more to deliver than <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, that's, that's, that's the sporty version. So, yeah. so that's, your luncheon. Are- that's your luncheon story. Are we PG rated here or how's this work? No, 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 no. no free for all. I'm a yeah, okay. within, all right. within reason. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure what your parameters that'll, are, Casper. That'll make the final cut a little bit. But that's certainly making the cut. Yeah, that's absolutely making the cut, that. After retiring from professional cricket in around 2008, mm. like, did you go back and, and work your way down the grades? Did you play a bit of second and third grade or whatever? Or did you just go pretty much cold turkey and stop cricket altogether? Uh, no, I, that was it. That was the end of it. Um, right. Having 19 seasons of it, you know, I think well, there, was, there was opportunities that popped up. I actually signed up to play in that ICL, that um, Indian Cricket League. Mm. That, you know, that was why you know, I was 36 at the time. Yeah. And Tony Gregg, Tony Gregg actually approached, came to me and said, look, you know, he's in charge. He was one of the people um, involved with this uh, ICL, the Indian Cricket League, two Tournaments a year, one in March, one in September. He's a three-year contract, pretty chunky, nothing like the IPL gigs. But at 36, all of a sudden, he's a contract for three years to go and play 2020 cricket with a ton of other guys, Kiwis, South Africans, Aussies, a couple of West Indians even, like just to sort of help out, you know, because it was the the Rebel League, um, it was seen, or that was the way it turned out. Although I went and did that, but it didn't last. It didn't. They didn't pay us, so it all fell over. <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah, as far as going back to grade cricket or anything like that, like all my mates had retired anyway. Yeah. So it's quite it's quite difficult and, and in a lot of ways selfish too with a young family and and that that was the challenge to actually go and do it. But there was there's there's actually opportunities that came up, um, you know, in, in cricket as far as coaching and some some really Chunky ones, actually. Um, but I just figured I've just got to go and do something outside cricket because, you know, spending more time around cricket fields. Back then, if I, yeah, had of you know, got into coaching and travelling and doing all that again, I may well have had a divorce to sort out um, <laughs> yeah. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, very fair. Because yeah, that's the thing, Casper, isn't it? Like, but my, I guess you get so used to players going, you know, coaching, commentating, that sort of route. But you really didn't do any of that, at, at certainly immediately, did you? Like, you went an entirely different no. direction to what probably most ex-players would. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and and I said before about challenging paradigms and all these type things and perceptions and all that, and that's what I did. I actually went and did an MBA, Master of Business MBA at University of Queensland. So no freebies or tokens or any... Um, <laughs> Yeah, to it, it was just, it was purely like the hard slog of it, which, yeah, like it was, to me, that was, oh, I didn't have an undergraduate either. And just, just going, getting stuck into that was, was bloody hard. 
Yeah, so I, I, from the start, I wanted to do that, and I'm really interested in the business of sport, to be honest. I had been the um, president of the Australian Cricketers Association. I was actually there at the coalface when we started the whole thing. Um, I followed Darren Lehman yeah. as the president, and then I was asked by Queensland Cricket to go on to the Board of Cricket Australia, which in itself at the time, when you're the president of the ACA, you'd think, you know, there's no way you're doing that. You know, it's funny, you know together United will never be defeated <laughs> type thing. But then there was it – was, it was opportunity. I thought, well – I knew there was a corporate governance review happening at the time, back in 2011, and no one—I was actually—I do know—I'm actually the first fast bowler ever to be a board member on the board of Great Australia. <laughs> Just to make <laughs> point that out again, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but I think what I but what I, it was the opportunity to have a seat at the table, and as a player, as you know, the opportunity to actually. Not to sit on the sideline and throw stones at it and tell them it's wrong, how to do it. Actually be in the middle and try to actually form it and mm. and, and give a sense of, you know, you know, perspective from all these different lenses, from a player, from an ACA, from, from all these different lenses into Australian cricket. So that was the opportunity because essentially I was going on there in the old form of the Cricket Australia board to vote myself off along with everyone else because the recommendations are always going to be a smaller skill-based independent board because everyone at the time, back then and since day dot, was all, they were all the chairman of the state associations. Mm. And with a weighted vote and all the fun and games and, you know, like things that were done and, you know, just to not rule people out, but there was just it was, it was different back then. Um, yeah, so it gave me a real great insight into the business, I suppose, of, Sport, certainly cricket. Yeah, I had a stint also as the interim CEO of Queensland Cricket. Yeah, I oh, look, I loved it. And what I'll share with you is that the reason why I loved it was a little bit like a dressing room, going into an environment where you've got people essentially. That at the time that they were, from where I saw and what I found was they were pretty fractured. Yeah. And what they what they really needed was a sense of purpose certainly direction and, and, and giving them, you know, like this is what we're doing, giving them a sense of purpose and and this is the, you know, the, this is what we're doing, backing them and and that, that's the why, I suppose, if you if you want to, you know, Simon Sinek it. It's sort of, you know, the why, giving the purpose of what we're doing and yeah. how we're doing yeah. it and what we're doing how. So I loved it. So it was great to yeah. do that, to get yeah. the experience. And you've already mentioned like quite a few positions there you've had and you've had plenty more in the business world. It's quite staggering. Uh, but I've actually had the pleasure of spending a bit of time with you recently because you've been down at Queensland Bulls training, helping mm, us out yeah. quite, quite regularly of late. So how have, you enjoyed, yep. how have you enjoyed that role? And, you know, also have you mastered the sidearm a ball thrower, yeah. Oh, so you are more hands-on now. Okay. This is more the coaching side of things. Yeah, well, I, I resigned from the board of Creed Australia a couple of months ago. I read that, but um, I wasn't sure if that was a sticky talking point or not. No, no, no. I think just oh, look for me is you know representing every stakeholder, all the stakeholders showing cricket. This way, can see it from these lenses. Was trying to provide that insight. We got to a point where I didn't feel like it was I could add anymore. Okay. Uh, Twelve months ago, with it, um, yeah, I know some some tough times in Australian cricket at the moment, and things I didn't necessarily agree with. But you know, I think that was the direction that the leadership was taking it a certain way. So it's like, okay, well, yep, I, I, there's nothing more I, I can provide here. Yeah, but having said that, I think I've always 
and decided that I'm a lot more I got more impact in the game of cricket than on the game of cricket or over the top of cricket. Yeah, so that's where the opportunity from for Queensland was to to come on down and, and just in a really part time casual role help Wade Seckham and Andy Bickle to you know great mates and yeah and sort of and 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 Queensland cricket team um, having a long obviously association with it through multiple different hats and aspects. It's just to be around because one of the things I've liked to say is that coaching ultimately is the same stuff, just said a different way. Um, and you get a lot of you know, people coming in and coaching and providing lots of information, as we always had as a player, and you're after more, more, more. But one of the things I've been really deliberate about doing is um, I like to talk about the other end. So rather than sort of technique from, you know, I want to talk about this end, whether it be actions or your, your, your head. I, I, I prefer coaching and talking about, you know, the you know the strategy, not so much the strategy, but more the, the playing, giving, giving people the tools to, when you're under pressure, um, yeah, those type examples. Um, yeah, there's been some some good, good results, and it's been I've been I've actually really loved it. I've loved going down and seeing obviously the the talent that's that's down there now in Queensland. Um, you know, bat and ball, but but also too just just different um, personality types, and and even judging, you know, the information or how you present it to different people. Yeah. I know you guys, yeah. Sam, Sam, you guys have done. Um, I know. Chuck or Wade Seconds actually introduced um, those personality profiles back, and it's yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we used we we had a whole ton of success in the day. Um, John Buchanan introduced us to a bloke named Phil Jauncey, who came in and did these these personality profiles. But more importantly, it actually gave you the tools, actually understanding uh, your personality. Um, yeah, the way that. And it's only, it's really basic sort of Myers-Briggs um, and needs to be basic so sports people, we can understand it. <laughs> but it, it's really simplified it to the point where you had sort of your, your external people, you had your internal people, you had your structured people and unstructured people. Now, if you think of that as an XY um, sort of axis and four different points from structured, unstructured, internal, external, you can pretty much map most people um, and given a fancy name and a, and a logo and all those type things, you <laughs> it's, you tend to understand how you, not only how you work, um, not only just under pressure, but how you work and why you, it works for you or how, how you operate, mm-hmm. but you understand how your mates do as well, yeah. which was really cr- crucial tool um, in teams, in communicating, but also just getting guys up or pulling them down or all those type of things. But I'll tell you what was actually great with it was we ended up, um, I like to think of it as um, it, it became really useful um, for the Queensland team as um, as a tool against the opposition mm. because we could we could camouflage sledge the opposition. <laughs> We'd sledge them, but it, but, but it wasn't, wasn't sort of having a go at them personally, anything like that. And a good example could be one of these, um, when you think about that XY, if you visualise that, someone who's, Structured, but they're internal. Is we used to call it a thinker. Yeah, okay. That's uh, someone who's. I'm not sure what you're using now, Sam, but 
someone who's quite really structured in their thinking and the way they they operate. I think it's a bit of an owl. So, we call it now an owl. You call it an owl, yeah. Okay. Well, so what? So what? So when you think about um, those type players or people, the easiest thing to do when you're, you're playing against an owl is talk around them. Don't talk to them. You don't have to say anything to them. The simple thing was, um, you know, you could just talk about a certain player saying, look, you know, geez, I, I, look, I, it looks like he's changed his grip since last year. It looks a bit wrong. It's something in his bottom hand. So, right. So that within <laughs> that, would, that would definitely so, rattle Lee. Lee's always worried about his grip here. He's always <laughs> asking, I must be an owl. <laughs> there you go. Well, and this is the best way that, um, like I said, camouflage legend because you're not having a go at them. You're not saying it to them. You won't be reported. Um, but at the same time, you've got in his head. Yeah, I genuinely and thought you were talking to me for a second. I've started just thinking about it again. There you go. <laughs> and, and so you're thinking about that. So you know, all of a sudden, we'll, 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 we've got you within the next you know, couple of balls here. <laughs> because, <laughs> but I think I think those are, those little examples of things that we you know sort of introduced, but just when you got to know the oppositions, or or we got to almost um, oh, very very much so become a amateur psychologist. <laughs> Um, so you could sort of get a bit of an idea about certain people, how they worked. Um, a good one too, um, mozzies, we called them. They were the unstructured external people. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think so, I've heard that expression. Yeah. So they were classics because, and I, I actually was that and an enforcer, which was this stru- more structured, but more external. Um, but what was funny with um, your mozzies was that you'd go out in the field and you just ignore them. Oh, <laughs> uh, you just just absolutely ignore them, and and all of a sudden, you know, they were buzzing, and they're looking to be the party and all that sort of stuff. And it was the easiest way to mess with them. Um, oh, so they yeah, want even, to be your mate and want to get a chat out of you. Yeah, and stuff like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. Have, have a go at it yourself, yeah. guys. And gonna try see that. what you reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. try that absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to ask about obviously the success that the teams you had played in is that the sort of stuff that you would put it down to like you probably played in one of the better Australian teams ever or is that more just sort of from having the, the phenomenal players around at the time that you did or I reckon the um, no I reckon there's a, a formula to great teams and okay. really simple like I like to simplify things your core skill of, I reckon of every team um, the difference I found between good teams shit teams but great teams the ones the way that you knew it was great, um, not just you know win loss, but the, the core skill of every team um, or environment, if you like, is discipline. There's rules and there's consequences. Now, society, school, family, you know, even the team. Like if if you've got this discipline thing in, um, and here are the boundaries. Um, we all know as blokes, um, boys, whatever you. You know, bang, you know, you'll play, you'll test it, you'll take it out as far as you can, as wide as you can. And when I say that the foundation, once you have that foundation where everyone knows where they can play, how they play, how far they can take it, when they know that, then you can build anything on top of that foundation. Number two, I reckon, for that is is the communication. You found in great teams that there was just this communication. Now, people could... Not not have a go, but you know, it was just an easy flow of info um, from from everyone within the team, from coaches right through. Simple. Number three, really important one is respect. Not only respect for you know, obviously your teammates, but yourself. 
um, obviously in your preparation, but also your opposition um, and a bit of history about what's happened previous or where we've gone or or capturing what's happened in the past. But I think when you, and like I said, keep it simple, is those couple of things in place, what I've found over the years is that the that if you get those things in place and in your great teams, they absolutely exist, you get this thing called belief. And I like to say call it belief. And then the best part about that is that you you can't measure it. You can't see it, smell it. It's quite herbal, um, <laughs> if you like, because it's it's almost like this belief feeling that, you know, it doesn't matter where we are, what, how far up Shits Creek we are, is that, you know, we're going to win. Yeah. And you're looking around a dressing room and there's nothing nothing like it. It's an amazing experience when you're actually in a dressing room. And I'm not saying sitting in a dressing room looking at Warney or Buddy McGrath or that sort of stuff. I'm talking about, you know, Queensland dressing room with, you know, players we had, you know, or or even in a club room. We're just looking around at the teammates going, you know, well, a bit of, you know, we've, you know, we've got a bowl out for 100 runs here. It's like, okay, and you're looking around and going, yep, okay, well, it's easy, well, and everyone, but no one's doubting it, and that's the key. That's the belief. Um, when you get those points, um, you just—it's an incredible environment. And I think that was what—that's the best way I can answer that question. In that, in that, yeah. yeah. And not 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 being a head coach or anything, but and I'm not saying disciplines going out there and getting run blokes to run till they vomit and all those type of things, but yeah. but but getting guys to. Um, yeah, is to so there's discipline. There's there's the the way that the, we operate around here, the way that we you know, and then like I said, communication, respect and and then the product of it is that belief. That's really cool actually. I reckon uh, one more thing that makes a good team mm. uh, that uh, we might not have had a go out yet at Queensland cricket is something we're trying mm-hmm. at Redlands Tigers cricket at the moment, which is oh, yeah. the uh, Alchemy yep. Australia Cordials products. Uh, you might not have heard of them, Casper, but nah. they're not just cordials either. They've got some smoothies. They've got some superfood elixirs. They've got chais and, and coffee syrups. So uh, I don't know which, which one of those uh, sounds the best to you, but I'm sure there's something for you, Casper. I don't know where they were in your career, actually, Casper. That would have been a real help for you. Are they alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the name's slightly misleading. Unfortunately, not. They're more for your. Uh, oh right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's probably no good to me now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> okay, so there was one more um, topic because you've already proved that you're an intelligent fast bowler, and and that that's not <laughs> obviously that's not rare, and we see them everywhere. But uh, but I I thought you specifically would be a great person to um to give me some some uh, thoughts on this topic, I guess. Uh, mm. I'm not sure if you're aware, but you bowled on record, uh, and this is obviously not including grade cricket uh, or, or just like practice okay. games or training or whatever, but yeah. 70,072 recorded official deliveries from Crick Info mm. recorded games. Yeah. And uh, and I guess probably at the, at the back end of your career, I think it's fair to say that probably injuries were, were a slight contributing factor, I guess, to, to your sort of retirement at that stage. Um, my question to you is, where do you stand on the bowlers' workloads and sort of rotation policy debate that we that we hear come up once per summer uh, now? Um, exactly the same position I had a good 10, 15 years ago when they started doing it. Right. Is that, is it, is it, don't do it. Don't. <laughs> it's, is, and I realise I'm fortunate, whether it be body shape and, Density, bone density, all those type things. Um, but 
But yeah, I look without getting too controversial with it. I like the idea of just bowlers being able to bowl, um, out of training, get what you need to, you know, so you're feeling good for games. And I realise the science. And I know Matt love having a go. And I, and look, even speaking to Bic a, l- a lot about it, you know, I can see the you know the benefit of the science that's gone into it. Absolutely. The one thing that I did actually say to Pat Howard when we were doing all this and I'm on the board and he's doing all these presentations and and one day he presented this wonderful um, 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 bell curve. Um, what's it called? What are they called? On a graph, yeah. Yeah, graph, but it's actually got – there's a term. Um, yeah, anyway, so it's so you've got the, the bell curve type thing and it's it's justifying that, you know, how many balls. I think it was like, you know, all the – people and dots and all there and how many balls they're bowling where they're working out and, and all that. And I'm still looking at this thing and I said, you know, the biggest problem with this, the whole system you created here is that, and he, he said, we're looking for outliers. We're looking for outliers and we're identifying outliers, but then we bring them in a system and make them average right. because no two body shapes the same, no two actions have ever been the same, but, we're throwing everyone under the same in the same box yeah. and saying we want you to do this. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, you know, by doing so, we 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 probably saved a lot of people. I think because of the balls, the bold and, and bodies, and maybe they they're still playing and being around, you know. Um, but I'm once again trying to just simplify it. Um, I think it'd be representative from a lot of former fast bowlers would, would sort of look at that and go, well. Yeah, they, they sort of well, I know for, for a fact that a lot of old blokes, older blokes, um, just don't understand it. Because when you said that seventy thousand balls in matches, how many reckon balls were bowled in the net? Exactly. So yeah, most most of my injuries were sort of like as you're getting older, they tend to be muscle-based uh, injuries. Yeah. I did have a shoulder reconstruction, but yeah, that's not from bowling balls necessarily. Yeah. It could have been rugby, could have been something else. Um, I had some um, disky stuff, but you know, and I tore my groin off the bone um, at towards the end. Um, but that was well, not diagnosed properly, and it was a result from a back injury and boot camps and all sorts of things. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't necessarily from you know bowling injuries, but even even look even going at twenty two and playing county cricket, I think I. Um, I was so I don't play league cricket or anything like that. I was 22, and Essex asked me to come and play. Graham Gooch spoke to the board and said, "I need a young fast bowler." He said, "Here's some fresh meat. <laughs> we'll get Casper. Um, he's played for a couple of years for Queensland at that stage. Go over there." So I played like the whole time. Um, and the five years of county cricket I did came back after bowling all season and maybe had two weeks off with a little strainy type thing here and there. But I reckon I had my best years coming back to Australian first-class cricket after long county seasons, right. back in the days when no one's watching workloads, no one's watching how many balls you bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. um, and I, I think as I got older too, that the way I justified it was that it's a bit like a an old car that, you know, if you if you you've got to keep the engine running because if you turn it off, she might not start again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might be my own car. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> 
good. Um, and Casper, I, I just wanted to ask, I assume we're sort of coming towards the end of the, the chat here. This is about, about yeah, normally how long now. Probably gone a bit over time, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> you've gone well above and beyond the call of duty, but I just wanted to ask if there are any sort of cracking stories that you've got over your, your very long career um, that we've failed to ask you about. Anything, any stories you really want to tell that we haven't managed to weave in yet? Uh. Like I said, is this PG or <laughs> no, no. M rated or no? no. M15? No. no, no oh, look, no. the best part of the journey, because people ask, you know, oh, you know, do you, you know, remember the test matches? Do you remember the, the games? And I actually don't. I remember dressing rooms. Yeah. I remember yeah. people. I can't, and, and that's for life me when people talk about, you know, test matches or how many runs were scored first innings, second innings, who scored what. I, I have no clue. I'm flat out remembering last week, let alone. <laughs> yeah, you know, all those years ago. But I just, I know, one of the things I keep, I've always said, is that, um, yeah, I just, you remember the moments with people. Um, that's what you enjoy the most. And I think that's why when, you know, you, when you retire, you sort of decide that, you know, well, you know, a couple of reasons. One, that you, you can't compete like you used to. Um, so this frustration creeps in there. But it's actually, um, it's yeah, it's actually that the moments with your mates, um, which is the most powerful, the reason why we all play. And I think that's even the messaging I know when you even speak with with kids and with our Bulls Masters that we started ten years ago. We're still getting out into regional parts of Queensland and and connecting, um, not only to kids but to volunteers, to their parents, to keep you know the, the dream alive and, and keep cricket you know, front of mind in, in those regions. Um, same the kids, the same reason why you are playing cricket and you're loving cricket is the same reason that, that you know, the, the professional players play it, you know, the Bulls play it because they're, they're playing cricket with their mates. It's all about fun and having fun, bringing that back into it, that, that that's the outcome. Yeah. And when you're doing able to do that for a living, yeah, as I said before, to then live your dream and then playing, playing cricket um, and have fun with your mates, yeah, it's pretty special. Well then, Casper, what about a hard question to finish for you then? Who Ooh, who okay. was that? Is there one teammate that sticks out for you? It's five it's it's five for four hundred and sixty, you're bowling, long day in the dirt. Uh who do you want on the field with you that's easing your pain out of all the players you played with in your career, do you reckon? Oh, it's hard to it's tough. Hard to narrow it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can name a couple. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, do we now it's five for four hundred and fifty. Yeah. And you say at the end of the day, we're talking about the blokes you want after the day's play. Oh, yeah. Okay. In the dressing room so, after. Yeah, so who's yeah. the, who's yeah, the right. face you're going to look at after the – after? I like that direction better. I reckon mm, you come yeah, off yeah. and go, nah, actually everything's okay, even though we bowled 135 overs. <laughs> we're okay. Mm. It's a, there's a long list there, <laughs> I've got to say. Um, yeah, good. Oh, look, without sort of going straight to your, your, your stars and all that type of thing, but – you know, Gilly was always awesome at all times. Um, yeah, well, in that Australian side, yeah, like it was pretty much the way it was. Like, you know, Blake said, you know, up and down days and, and regularly. But, you know, from Queensland point of view, the one thing I think from Queensland, what we, using that word fun again, was, um, you know, we had a, a, just a, a great team and timing was good with um, players and talent and all that stuff. But, but, you know, it was always fun. The dressing room was fun. Um, you know, Andrew Simons, oh, yeah. Jimmy Marr, there was always plenty of stuff and banter going on there. Same with, you know, Vic, you know, as well. Um, you know, he's one of the best mates. And just, yeah, it was always always 
it's fun. And I think I think that's the other thing too is that we sort of created that environment. So anyone coming into the team yeah. at any stage, I like to think that they felt comfortable. It, it wasn't sort of I'd be really interested to um, you know to to speak to some blokes that sort of you know, where they come in where they felt it or obviously there's pressure to play and all that sort of stuff and do well. But whether there was the, that whole environment was sort of a, a welcoming, but also, you know, yeah, well, I think that gave them the opportunity to, yeah, to, to, to come in and, and be as relaxed as they possibly can. Outstanding, man. Well, um, we appreciate your time a great deal, man. You've challenged the uh, fa- the dumb, fast bowler stereotype. You've opened our eyes to the other possibilities that are available for people mm. life after cricket. Uh, you've given us plenty of great stories, so it's uh, it has been amazing. There's one thing I've hung on to actually that uh, I wanted to inform you at the time, but uh, you, oh, yeah. you were amazing in that first 2020 international. But um, Ricky Ponting was actually named man of the match. Oh, uh, I know, I know. No. well, once again, the batsman body uh, like, <laughs> 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 the adjudicators, but yeah, <laughs> that's right. I think I think he got 98, which pipped your forfeit, which is I think stiff. I would have been on your side, especially with the facial hair headband combo as well. That would have got my vote. That, 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 you need some points for that, surely. <laughs> surely. That's right, That's right <laughs> man. No, we appreciate the chat, man. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your night to have a uh, have a chat with us. No, I really appreciate it, and I wish you guys all the best. Thank you very much. Um, love it, yeah, for sure. All right, and there is the end of our long but very, very entertaining and insightful chat with Michael Kasper. He was quality voice for mine. Yeah. Could have talked talk to him for another hour. I think we could have made four episodes will. out of yeah. it. I think he wanted to keep talking too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's couldn't agree more. Excellent. He was excellent. Um, and he has. I've, I've sat next to him on the plane before. He's given it a bit of. These are the top three questions that I get asked all the time. Uh, the one that we didn't speak to him about was Warney. He always gets asked about Warney as well. I think. But I found some of that stuff about what he's actually doing outside of cricket and what he did post career. Yeah. Yeah, very impressive. That's what you don't hear about a whole lot, but it's very interesting stuff. Yeah, that's right. It's a different story. I think that's why I liked it so much. It's just yeah. not your everyday sort of track through, is it? Yeah, and I actually found it quite like, I don't know, like almost inspirational, I think. Like there's, there's a few little bits and pieces there that I might go back and listen to again and sort of try and take become a fast own. bowler? Yeah, maybe not a fast bowler, but just take Even the sledging the sledging information, the new sledging tactics with my sledging good. and stuff. Yeah, what are you? I'm a mozzie, I reckon. Yeah. Talks about that. Yeah, yeah, you've, yeah. you've actually been tested, haven't you? Not yeah. for Corona <laughs> <laughs> or chlamydia. <laughs> we've had that on a previous episode. <laughs> oh, a bit of a bit of a thinker, a bit of an owl. Okay, so, yeah. okay. Mitch, you'd be an owl, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think I would be. Yeah. Right. Or a sloth. Or a sloth. Don't think that's one of them, but <laughs> sleeping habits of a sloth. Well, that's perfect, guys. Uh, now we do want you to interact with us on social media, Mitch. Where can people do that? Uh, at our website is probably the best place to go. We got the chocolates.com.au. You'll find links to all our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, etc. You can send us an email uh, through the website. So jump on there and have a look around and yeah, get in contact with us. Absolutely, that's perfect. And has uh, if anyone's struggling for some summer clothing, we've actually got some for them, don't we? Plenty. We've got hats, shirts, jumpers aren't summer clothing. Jumper, no. beanies. Beanies. <laughs> not summer clothing yeah, either, but we've got them. Yeah, we've Stock got up them for next well. year. Uh, and you can also get them at the website. So, I mean, the website, www.wegotthechocolates.com.au, is definitely a hub for activity, guys. Uh, but we thank you very much for listening, taking time out of your day. And hello to all of you. Have a great day. And we will be with you again next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Stop.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 